0: Hello, hello. Welcome to this uh, episode of the podcast, Extra Point Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McGoldrick. Here we go. When I was in school, um, like elementary school, I remember one time my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Olala. O-L-A-L-A. O-L-A-L-A. Yeah, O apostrophe L-A-L-A. No, no, no. O-li- O-L-I-L-A. Because she would always say it's not Olila, it's Olala. Anyway, that is neither here nor there, but my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Olala, she taught us this simple uh, phrase and the simple skill, life skill that I have used ever since. And she says, use the test to take the test. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Use the test to take the test. As in, you know, there are some things in a test whether it's like a heading or whether it's like the next question, where actually if you kind of read through it, get the overall picture, you can actually use another question or a different heading or whatever to take and answer other questions of the text. For example, uh, like, you know, one question could be, who was the first president of the United States? And then the next question, could say you forgot that. Uh, The next question could be, what did George Washington do, you know, blah, 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 and you're like, oh, well, it's probably George Washington then, because the next question is George Washington, and so that would mean that the answer to the first question is George Washington, right? You get what I'm saying. Let the test take the test. Use the test to take the test. Well, that same principle can be used when reading the Bible, so here we're not going to talk about necessarily like something devotional as much as we are going to give—I'm going to give you guys something real practical for how to read the Bible, and that is simply use the Bible— to read the Bible. Use the Bible to read the Bible. I'm convinced, and most other people are convinced, that the Bible interprets itself. Um, yes, the Holy Spirit you, like opens our eyes, opens our hearts, and you actually have to read the Bible in order to interpret it, but also the Bible interprets itself. And I'm going to show you how that happens uh, uh, here in this text that we were in last Sunday on Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. So the text we looked at, was a bunch of these one phrases: one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, Jesus Christ. You know, overall through all and in all. Amen and amen. And um, what we did is we actually used the Bible to interpret the Bible, and it can be it can be really difficult. I'm sorry. It it sounds, you know, really simple and it and it really it is really simple, right? It can be really difficult when we overcomplicate things. We're like, oh well, what about this and what about that? And what does baptism mean here? Is it this baptism, that baptism? And and I mentioned this, but what we did essentially in that sermon is we just used the Bible to interpret the Bible. So we looked at the word one body, and here's a kind of a rule of thumb. Whenever you want to figure out what a word means. Look first at the letter or the book that it's in. So in Ephesians 4.4, 4, it says we have one body or there is one body. What we didn't do is we didn't look up a dictionary on what the word body is. No, what did we do first? We went first through the book of Ephesians and we looked at how Paul uses the word body. And the first time he uses it is at the end of Ephesians 1 where he says the church is Christ's body. And then later he says that we are we are one body, growing together and building itself itself up in love into Christ who is the head of that body. So what we did is we just kind of backed up a little bit into the letter itself and looked at how does Paul use the word body here in this letter to give me meaning to what he's saying here in chapter 4 verse 4. So you kind of zoom out a little bit. Next, what is helpful is to zoom out into that specific author of other letters. So for example, this is Paul, right? Paul wrote a lot of letters. So what we did after we looked at Ephesians and the Ephesians use of the word body is we branched out a little bit further and we looked at other Pauline letters, namely Romans and 1 Corinthians, where he has entire sections on the word body. Now this most of the time works, but there's some times where it doesn't work. But most of the time, this works, where you can look up. Okay, so I know what Paul means when he says "body" here in a here in this paragraph or in this verse because of this paragraph, because of this letter to the Ephesians. Now I'm going to zoom out even further, and I'm going to look at how Paul uses this in other letters. That's when he talks in Romans about. We are all members one of another. We don't have the same function. And then 1 Corinthians 12, he goes, on, he goes on and on and on, waxes eloquent about, you know, there's a hand, there's a foot, there's an eye, there's an ear. We're all different, but we all make up one body. So then you come back to Ephesians 4, verse 4, and what happens? You're like, oh, that's what Paul means when he says one body. Okay, what did we just do? We used the Bible to read the Bible. We used the Bible to interpret the the Bible. You would do the same thing next with spirit, and this is one thing I do want to talk about specifically on the word spirit. Um, so, if you go to uh, chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, verse four, the next one phrase is spirit, and some translations have a capital S, some translations don't have a capital S. And here's a little tidbit about spirit: is that um, it's all a matter of it's kind of subjective when it's referring to the Holy Spirit or when it's referring to just like the spirit of you and me. Like we all have, you know, a spirit, so to speak. Sometimes it's very explicit in the scriptures. Sometimes it literally says the Holy Spirit or the presence of God or something like that. And vice versa, sometimes it's explicit on the other end, like your spirit, like our spirit testifies with Christ's spirit that we are sons of God, right? Romans 8. Um, so one thing that uh, is is really good to do is look at the word spirit, but also the word spiritual, like spiritual. I, I pronounced that really weird. S p i r i t u a l, spiritual. Like uh, in Ephesians chapter one, blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Really, that phrase is a blessing of the spirit. So the word spiritual is also the word spirit. It's the it, it's you know declined a different way, but that's you know grammar. neither here nor there, but so when you go through a a text, when you go through Ephesians, say you want to figure out, you want to use the Bible to read the Bible, you want to find out what Paul means when he says spirit, you're going through Ephesians, you're looking at all the uses of spirit. Also note all of the uses of the word spiritual, spiritual things, Um, whether it's spiritual blessings, because that is in and of itself just blessings of the spirit. Then you'll see that the spirit is the presence and power of God, as we've been talking about. And um, um, then, then you have a, a more holistic understanding of what spirit means. So so all in all, here, here's the, the tip. Use the Bible to read the Bible. One of my favorite examples is from Genesis, chapters 1, 2, and 3. Why? Because Genesis, it says seven times, which <clears throat> I don't think it's a coincidence that there are seven one statements here in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Um, but it says seven times in Genesis 1 at the end of every day it says what God saw that it was good God saw that it was good God saw that it was good etc 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 seven times it says that then you're going through and you find Eve in chapter 3 after she is deceived by the serpent it says what she saw that the tree was good so you're thinking, Okay, I'm using the Bible to interpret the Bible. What does that mean? Who is the first and only person to see that something was good up until this point? In Genesis 1, God. God created. It brought life. He saw that it was good. Eve does what? She sees that something is good. What does that say? She is taking the place of God. She is defining what is good and evil on her own taking from the knowledge of the tree of the good and evil. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. But you see what I'm saying? When you use the Bible to read the Bible, these insights, this this beauty, this mystery, this fullness comes from that. And we saw that just a little bit in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. So I hope that's helpful for you. I hope you can take that in your Bible reading as you go and you, you can start looking up like, okay, well, he used the word justification here. Okay, what does he mean? Oh, l- let's go before we go into a dictionary. Before we go to any other textbook, let's go to this letter. What? Is, how does he use that here? Oh, he quotes. Oh, he quotes Genesis, you know, uh, uh, twelve or sixteen or whatever. Where Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as what? Justification, as righteous. Okay, so so you start making these connections, and what we do is we start using the Bible to interpret the Bible. Hope that helps. Hope that can you can use that in your Bible reading. God bless.